You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Mini Market Podcast. Three man weave today with Connor, Isaiah, and Lucas. So I think we got to dive into the Vikings uh, first and foremost here. Uh, the Vikings lose to the Dallas Cowboy. Dak Prescott less Dallas Cowboys. Um, devastating game for me personally in my fandom. I, I'll just swing it over to let's let's have Isaiah. Let's get your thoughts, general recap, general thoughts on the game. All right. Thanks for tossing it to me first. I appreciate that because I was actually on pace to cut you off because you started with where I wanted to start. And that was the pregame decision to not have Dak Prescott even suited up, not even going to play him. And the thing that hit me with that was the way that the like announcers were talking about it and saying basically like from their perspective, it seemed like there was basically nothing wrong with Dak Prescott. Like a healthy scratch. Essentially. Yeah, like, yeah, like a healthy scratch of your MVP quarterback. And for me, that was like, uh-oh, this is going to be bad because the Vikings are going to lose and they're going to get embarrassed on national television again. Fast forward, they did. But the, what makes it worse is the level of disrespect that the Cowboys walked into U.S. Bank Stadium with. To just say to themselves, we don't need our MVP caliber quarterback to beat this team. We can beat this team that right now thinks they might be a playoff team. This is a rewind pregame that right now thinks they might be a playoff team. We can beat them without our best player. McCarthy, our longtime rival just said, I don't want to, I don't want to beat this team. I want to embarrass them. And he did it. That was embarrassing. I felt bad being a fan watching that game. We lost to a quarterback who's never even smelled an NFL field. He didn't know what the turf... I've been on a US... I've spent more time personally in between the white lines on an NFL field than Cooper Rush. Oh, boy. And it's true. It's true. And I haven't spent any time on him. (laughs) And we lost to this dude. I couldn't believe it. I just... I'm... I... We had to do this podcast a day later because we needed some time to take the emotion out of it. And I think we've done a good job so far. Um, yeah, let's, Lucas, not, let's hold on to our hat. Lucas, take it away. Because I, yeah, I just had to start there and then I got to regain my composure. I mean, it was an excellent point. I, in my pickups league, I literally switched to the Vikings once I saw Dak was out. I was like, ooh, sweet. We have this no-name guy, some guy I've never even heard of. And then as I started watching the broadcast, never the pregame, everyone's starting to pick the Vikings. And I'm like, oh, shit. That is usually not a good sign when the majority, like the clear majority of the like the six or eight pregame people pick the Vikings. It's like, uh-oh. That's usually not how it goes. We like to fly under the radar. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just sad. It was just like, I stayed up, I watched. I was like, gosh, what is going on? I mean, you knew at the end they were going to score, and of course they did. And that last touchdown pass, it looked like Rush was just like a 10-year pro, just knew exactly where to put the ball. I was like, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) We get shredded by like perfect passes. We get blown coverages. (sighs) I don't know. 
This was one I was expecting to lose the game first. And then I heard Dax out. And I'm like, oh, we have a chance. And I get excited. Perfect mm-hmm. Vikings trap game. They mm-hmm. reel you back in and let you down. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, for me, I just, I thought they did a shitty job on the broadcast. I didn't care for it at all. I thought they baited us Vikings fans into being more hurt than we were because I don't believe the Cowboys are not going to play Dak unless he's like slightly injured in some way. And them telling us that they watched him for 10 minutes in pregame thinking he was like in midseason form. That's just garbage to me. That was the first thing I was like, I know Isaiah's hurt by it. I'm more angered by it. I just think that's insane. Like you don't, you're speculating on the injury, which is fine. That's part of it. But to say like they just benched him basically for no reason doesn't make sense. Like obviously there was something there in my opinion. Um, secondly, they talked numerous times about how good the Vikings secondary was. And I was just like, are they talking about the wrong team? Did they mix up the game notes? Yeah, like, our best player is clearly out. <laughs> you know like, that. Our secondary being good is psychotic to me. Breland might be our number one corner today in that game. Don't Not, I? Don't even say that. Don't, don't, chest like, hands, Breland no, just I kept still, getting hit in the chest with footballs. Yeah, I won't allow God, that. I mean, just allow psychotic for them to say we have a good secondary. Like it's like they looked at Harrison Smith on the depth chart and then they were like, we have a good secondary. It's like we have one good guy, and then Xavier Rhodes played out of his mind, or Xavier Woods, excuse me, played out of his mind in a revenge game. Um, but our corners suck. And like, even with Patrick Peterson there, they're not great. Like, right? I, I would say we're an average defensive team against the pass. Maybe the numbers say we're better, but I was just like, what are these guys even talking about? A lot of it is then they've been pretty good on third down before good. tonight. Like, the defense in general has been pretty solid on third down so it's kind of like overall boosted up the rating of the defense and like the perception i think league-wide that the defense is sort of back to a, a better level than it had been in the past i think it's just misconceived because like we're not we're really high in sacks in the nfl which is you know that's part of it i guess but like in terms of a secondary our secondary is not good like, I think we bring good blitz packages at times, and that's why we get sacks, slash we have Daniel Hunter when he's healthy, RIP in peace. In peace. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's where it starts for me. I was just frustrated with the broadcast making us out to be like, they, this, all the pictures they were painting to me were just like, this isn't what I've watched this season. That actually, okay. I think defense I think Vikings fans this year in general have been too hard on the defense. I think the defense has over like overperformed for the expectations coming into the season. We knew that this team was or the the talk coming in was this team was going to need to win on their offense and they, they were going to lose games because their defense is a sieve basically. And I haven't felt like that's been the case this year. I thought the defense in general over the season saved the, uh, under two minutes. And I get that that's important and that they've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points in that amount of time. But I think in general, we are not losing any of these games because of our defense. Honestly, and you could argue this is part of it, but like take away the two turnovers and we lose this game by th- three scores. Like our defense was not good last night, except for they were opportunistic, which you could argue is part of being good. Like their drives, our defense was on the field the entire game because they methodically just go down the field. And then we'd get fortunate where 
they throw a bad pass and we pick it off and like we're all happy and we think our defense is playing well. But really, I don't think our defense did a whole lot to like contain them other than making them have long drives, which maybe that's part of it. It's just like you make them run enough plays and they're going to mess up type of thing. Um, but I, I didn't really think our defense was impressive last night outside of the fact they did win the turnover battle, which is usually an indicator of winning. So like that's part of it. But like I don't think our defense has been great. But I, I, to hit on your offensive point, I, I don't disagree with that either. Like there's so many things wrong with the offense. I think you can start wherever you want, but like between the offensive line looked relatively bad last night. I don't know if the Cowboys are like a really good defensive team and we're like, oh, that's just part of it. I don't know that's true. I don't know if it's not, but I, I feel like they're middle of the pack. I will say Micah Pearsons is a dude. That guy we heard enough about that guy, but man, is he good. Yeah. Also Collinsworth was blowing him last night, so he had a hell of a night. Um, which that's right, his thing. That's Collinsworth thing. He picks, picks a guy, guy yeah. and it it's always in the past. It's been Harrison Smith. Like he, sure. like you said, Harrison Smith. He always has loved Harrison Smith. So I think that was the remnants of him liking the yeah. Viking secondaries because he still loves Harrison Smith. It's probably because too. I mean, why did we start this? Not enough coverage. No one watches the Vikings games. They did like a little bit of pregame where. Chris Collinsworth probably looked over the roster. He's like, well, okay, well, we've got Dalvin Cook on the offense. We can talk about him. And oh, who do I know on the defense? Well, you got your pick between Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, and Harrison Smith. And I like that Harrison Smith guy. So I'm going to talk about him tonight. Yeah. Okay, but in, in their defense, like if you want some national coverage, don't shit the bed every time you get yeah. a chance to show that you're a good team. Right. Because if you keep playing like this, like consistently in – um big time games. The only people who are going to be talking about you are the four idiots sitting in a basement. Bingo. I guess for me, my biggest frustration, like I don't, like I said, I don't think the defense played well, but my biggest frustration to me was the play call. Yeah. And I don't know enough. Like we always say this, I don't know enough about like the ins and outs of football, but like the first drive we go down and Kirk's dropping dimes and we're like, it looks like we're just like, Oh, we're going to score 60 points today. And then from that drive on, it felt like we, whether it's Kirk not throwing the ball down the field, or at least when we do, it's not even competitive. Like they're just like, we're overthrowing guys, throwing it out of bounds. We ran, I, I don't know the numbers, but I'd love to see the number of screen plays we ran. Like it was stupid. Like there was times when we would run, we had a couple three and outs where we ran like two screen plans, play, or excuse me, sc- whoa, two screen Ooh. in three plays i'm like i'm not a fan of screens i just am like, i'm not the, there's a time and a place for them i'm sure there's a somebody out there who I love knows em. more about football than we do, who could say yeah like there's a reason why you do so many but like if you use them all the time you're not fooling anybody because then they're just going to zone coverages every play and then they're all reading the quarterback's eyes and then they're going to attack the ball that's how it works like a, a screen works against man coverage or against blitzes because people are out of position. When we're doing it on first down and they're bringing three men on a rush, that screen's never going to work because one lineman figures it out and then three linebackers are able to see this whole play develop and now it's the four on three and that just doesn't win a lot. So I the screen plays. I felt that like we just got really conservative. We did a weird amount of play action after we stopped like running the ball for a while there. 
Like it'd be like screenplay, play action, and it just like the rollout PA rollouts weren't working. Like for whatever reason, Dallas was able to contain us. Why are we still continuing to do it? Like it's like we scripted the whole game and then never went off script, never adjusted to anything that happened in the game. I know Lou's gonna bring this point up, so I'll just lob this softball there, but we ran so many routes short of the sticks. Like, and maybe there were more routes past the sticks that we're just not throwing to, in which case, like, what the hell? But there were so many routes that were short of the sticks that we're throwing to. What's the point? Like, I just, I, there were so many play call question marks for me that consistently, I think I saw a stat last night. Somebody texted it to me and it was like, one out of nine third downs after the first drive, we threw the ball beyond the sticks. It's like, is there a play call thing there or is that just a Kirk? Not doing it because, like, I can see if we only have two routes going beyond the sticks, then essentially they both get double covered if you're in cover two man. So, like, can we get a third route downfield, or did we have three and we just went to the one that isn't? I don't have the all 22, but it yeah. was just what's going on because I'm not saying that as a Kirk defender, I'm not saying it's not his fault too because he probably has the ability to change plays. So, at a certain point, Head's got to roll. Oh, yeah. And I think the defense, to Ike's point earlier, the, my expectations of the defense was so low this year. They've been where I thought or maybe slightly even above at times. And so it's like you got to point the finger somewhere. And special teams, rest your soul, it's not you right now. Just like last thing on the defense, I think Mike Zimmer's always kind of had that approach of like, we'll let them gain yards in the middle of the field because it doesn't truly matter that much. And I think that was a lot of what we saw. Like, and they always tighten up like a good Mike Zimmer defense always tightens up in the red zone. And it's just that bend, don't break. Like that's his approach. That's his style. Um, and I think we saw that a little bit. We've been seeing it a lot this year. Uh, and, you know, like you hold the Cowboys to what under under 100 rushing yards with that tandem. I think that's pretty good. Um, we ended up getting beat, obviously, by Cooper Rush. He was throwing the ball like they just kind of let him go, which was wild to me. Um, but I mean, there were some unlucky plays too, if you want to call it that way a little bit on that final drive, like for sure. that one with, but, uh, I, I, I'm with you, Connor. I don't understand what the offensive game plan was today. And I mean, I'm going to say this thing with the most disrespect possible. Kubiak calls NFL games. Like I play Madden and I'm terrible at Madden. I am so bad at Madden. I, I find three plays that I like. And I'm convinced that those are the only three plays that will ever work. And I just call them on a loop. And just like from everything we've seen this year from Kirk Cousins, it's like what happened that he was so afraid to throw the ball downfield last night? Like what changes so much in primetime games that he just turns into a shell? And I understand that they were getting a decent amount of pressure with four, which does make things kind of hard. Everybody knows that's like basic uh, football, right? Is if you can get home with four, you're going to have a better time on defense. But it wasn't like they were fully getting home. It's just, I think uh, they talked about it on the broadcast. It was like, they just feels like there's a lot of people around him, like at his feet, like things are closing in for Kirk Cousins. And then he was just making like 7% was our conversion rate on third down. 7%. It was so bad. That is so, so, so bad. Um I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Hedgeball role. Lou, what do you think? Are we losing any coaches anytime soon? If we haven't lost them today, we're probably not, right? No, honestly, I think, and I know Connor and I talked about this a little bit, I think they're going to just ride it out. 
I think, I mean, unless we really go on like a over the next six or so skid, but at that point, I feel like they're just gonna be like, well, the season's already over. Why, like, let's reevaluate once the whole talent pool's gone after the season. And I think we've mentioned it too. I think Spielman and Zimmer are kind of tied at the hip here. So Spielman's gonna try to ride his guy out and hopefully something happens. Otherwise, I mean, Spielman's probably got to go too. He does. But isn't that the last ditch effort of the GM who's on the cliff is like throw the other guy out first and then hope that you can stay in a little bit longer. I mean, I hope I've hope for the Vikings sake that that doesn't happen is that they both go together. I think they've uh, they've both seen more than their allotted amount of time. For me, I just think that if you're the GM, you let it ride because you're you're trusting that that Zimmer's going to turn this around and find a way to get in the playoffs. And then all is hunky dory. Like that's, I think it's that's an odd year taking. Um, yeah. I loved that last night. Like way to crunch the numbers, doing some deep dives on the team every other year they make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that they, they, they'll keep them the whole year because there is like, I think the, the ironic thing today, and I won't steal this take. So I, or I won't steal it without giving credit. I, I stole this take from somebody at work, but it's like the Vikings, you could argue have the talent, right? Like the, like from 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 a Spielman perspective, if anybody has a the best chance to keep their job in the front office coaching staff, it's him. Like he's acquired a team that can win. I think a lot of us think that. Like we have a lot of talent. It's really just like when it comes down to all this stuff. We're like, why do you call two timeouts in a row? Cost us a timeout and a penalty that then ultimately results in a third and shorter than what it should have been. Still third and eleven. We got to make a tackle, whatever. But then like play calling, all this stuff. Like for me, it's like let's blow it up. Let's finally bring in this offensive guru head coach that we've that that everybody in the NFL is looking for. Let's take a stab at one of those guys because I'm just tired of having a new coordinator every year and they re-implement their, their new, but the same shitty plays that Zim will let them run is kind of what it seems like now. So it's like, maybe we can do more than just bootleg out a guy who's not really that mobile. And that's not how he's designed to play like in the play action. Sure. But we do bootlegs like, like there's, this is the last year in the NFL you can use them and we got to get all the ones in before it's done. So I, I just feel like we need to have new a new head coach Spielman if you send him whatever if you keep him I can understand the perspective of like I know Dalton soccer up first round picks he hasn't hit on maybe as many as he should have but ultimately like we've acquired a pretty good talent pool of of players um sidebar I'm in the fa- favor of like let's blow the whole thing up I said three weeks ago the season was over turns out I got suckered back in and now I'm back on that the season's still over I was right. Um, I'm like, let's blow it up. Let's call every GM in the league and say everybody's on the chopping block. Let's butcher this down. That's where I'm at mentally. I This is something I'm glad we got to because I wanted to talk about this today because that's been sort of the consensus on Twitter of like, this, this isn't going to work. It's never going to work. Uh, it's time to start over. What does starting over, like, what are you as a fan willing to pallet in terms of starting over? Like, are you ready and willing to be really, really bad for a couple of maybe three years? You're okay with that. Like, I just want to like, let's talk through that process of like the entire rebuild. What does it take? And what happens? Are you okay if we miss? Yeah, exactly. If we miss, this could be 10 years. This could be the Browns. (laughs) Like, realistically. And for me, yeah, I'm okay with it. Like, let's go hard into the draft. We love going into the draft, but we like to go into it late. Let's go hard into the early rounds. I would, my biggest thing, 
and we talked about it a little bit last night with this group. But like my biggest thing is like, what can we get for Delvin? Because I would love to see the trade go through when we trade him to somebody. And now last night Isaiah made up a good point of the Titans. Derrick Henry went injured, but obviously they signed Adrian Peterson today. So that's gonna be a no-go. If we could if there was a team that was desperate for a top end running back, we trade him. I would love to see us get that third or fourth round pick we're gonna get for a running back, a top end running back. And then be like, yep, that was the money we were spending. And then Rick will trade it for three-sevenths <laughs> over the next two seasons. Wait, that's what you think they would get for Dalvin oh, yeah. Cook? A fourth I rounder? Said a third or fourth round. Like, running backs no. aren't valuable. That's Plus why taking his contract, him. maybe. Nobody the team maybe would eat the contract. I mean, nobody will take him. I'm not saying that's for sure what we're going to get. If we got a first rounder, I'd be thrilled. But I don't see it. Let's see tomorrow. Trade I, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think if there was a GM who was in position to not lose his job at the end of this year, if the team doesn't make the playoffs, i.e. Spielman, he would have been able to get a first rounder from the Titans for uh, Dalvin Cook. I don't see it. Dude, the Rams just spent two first rounders on some washed defensive player. Who'd they grab? Von Miller. Von Miller is yeah, not, he's washed. He's Von name, Miller is washed. Yeah, he's at the end of his. He's a name, but he's washed. They just spent two first rounders on him. You think we couldn't get one for Dalvin Cook in his prime? You're wild, and Connor. That's the crazy. Is the, arguably the second or third most important position on the football field, as opposed to the twentieth most important position on the football field. Yeah, he's that's an old man. But if but if you're I'm talking about like we have specific situations like Titans, their offense is dependent on their running back. Like they well, we are very the run heavy. Like the Titans aren't off the table, but you're saying if they wouldn't have picked him up, they picked up AP instead of trading. Like well, but yeah, but I'm saying like Dalvin Cook wasn't available. Like he's not a guy that they could have gotten because like the fans want to blow it up, but Spielman and Zimmer are not gonna just blow it up randomly. Of like they'd have to get fired for it to get blown up. So like I think and they would have got at least a first rounder. And that's why we'll never know like what we'll it actually know. would. But I would we'll be never shocked. Know. Because that's the thing. Like nobody, most of the league have figured out you don't spend money on running backs and win. Like that's just a general thing that everyone's figured out except for us. Because Zimmer is like, we got to do it. We got to get a good running back because we run the ball. That's what we want to do as an offense. But it's just really not how our offense feels like it's structured. And again, as I always say, Dalvin Cook's a waste of money, and I just think he's overvalued. So that's why, like, oh, he's a top-end running back. When we trade him, and, and let's say even if we got a second-round pick, I'd still be like, okay, really? That's like, that's the value that they see in him. But, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. We'll never know, right? They're not going to blow it up because that's their job. Then they're basically firing themselves. Yeah. But it would be nice for me, if I was Ziggy, just can him, call him up, call all the GMs and just say, Make an offer for anyone on our team. I'm, I, I'm all ears. If this ever does happen and they trade him and, like you say, we get a third or fourth rounder, that's, that's literally your Viking Super Bowl right there. You're just, you're just done for the rest of the time. That's your Super Bowl, Connor. When is the last time a running back's been traded in their prime? Does anybody know? Actually traded? Traded Maybe in their well prime. Traded. That is uh, without separate. without like a yeah, yeah just I was like gonna say a like a Kareem Hunt good player Le'Veon Bell. got traded in their prime, well, unrelated to off the field issues. Why is Le'Veon Le'Veon Bell? His whole thing was a holdout for more money, right? 
So like, that's an off the field issue. Oh, never. Though. You know what I mean? That's yeah. an off the field issue. Like just straight up like, hey, we're blowing it up. Let's get rid of this guy. You know, I don't, it just doesn't happen with like top end running backs. So you don't know the market value for any of them. So like, I think it, I, if a team needed a proven running back and had a potential available proven running back, like one of these guys, they would make that trade for it. But it's it just never available. Because teams with like really good running backs are generally pretty good. Like they're not great. They're not Super Bowl teams, but they're playoff teams. Like if you have a really good running back and they're in their prime and they're healthy, you're going to be a playoff team. I generally agree with your take about running backs, Connor. I, I've always I've always thought it was a good take, but I'm just saying like I think that the trade value is hard to determine for these guys is partly because they're never available because they're they're kind of important to their teams. See, I just I just feel that no GM and it's like the flip side of the stake, no GM will waste a high leverage draft pick on a running back. Like that's why they're not it's not so much the other side that you're talking about. It's more that why would I ever give up a second round pick that could turn into a like it seems like every GM thinks like top three picks are going to be like Hall of Famer potentials. And so it's like, why would I ever give up a pick for this position? Like that's my perspective on what why I think they don't do it. Now it could be your side where it's like it's too valuable to give up the running back, but I'm thinking of as oh, the yeah. picks are valuable to go get the running back. Ag- agreed. But then you do have you're saying all GMs, but you do have GMs in this league who take running backs in the top five picks of the draft, not in of five rounds. They take top five draft when, picks as running backs. So not every GM fully well, believes well, that running well, backs aren't valuable. I think there's still well, value in running backs. And Dalvin well, Cook is a highly valuable running back. But look at the last 10 drafts. It's like Saquon's like the only top five running back taken. When did Christian McCaffrey get taken? Like 20. Damn. 30. Yeah, Damn. Like, like that's the thing. They don't value running back. Like Saquon was an anomaly and that hasn't really worked out. No. Which is- over for the Giants, but but still, like nobody drafts running back, like an offensive lineman, a D end, a quarterback. That's like your top five, and that's what I'm saying. Where like Von Miller is more valuable than Dalvin Cook, honestly, right now. I bet as an old man, as an old man who's injured nonstop. By yeah, the way, that's crazy. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe like they're looking like three first rounders, and they're like, we'll only give you two and a third, and the Vikings are like, oh, it's just not enough. But I'd just be hard pressed. No, I don't think they're getting multiple first rounders, but I don't think they're getting a fourth round. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's move on. Hopefully, right? I don't know what we got. Vikings suck. I hate everything. Fire (laughs) hell. Hold up. Um, I also think that the Vikings are an incredible team at playing to their level of competition. Like I know talk about it a lot in sports but the vikings may be the crown jewel of that situation in professional athletics right now like oh my god every game we play they talked about on the broadcast last night every game we play it's it's just they're close and we Mm -hmm. play with the cardinals who may be one of the best teams in the nfl and then we play with the lions who is the worst team in the nfl like it's just psychotic but and for me i don't want it it seems like lately until last night like Close has been confused with good for me. Like even the Panthers game was not an entertaining game until the last like two minutes. Like that was just a boring game. Like they have a boring style of football that they play. Like, yes, they're 
in these tight games, but they're not interesting games. And I think last night was like the ultimate, like, this is actually what it looks like. Like, this is just bad. And it's close, though, but it's bad. And it, it doesn't have the pizzazz and we didn't win. So you don't feel good about it. But that's kind of how I've like, I was ready to be like that Panthers game. Like I was like, oh, this is a shitty game. And then all of a sudden, right as those words were coming out of my mouth, it started getting like super tight and interesting. And then everyone's like, whoa, the Vikings, man, it must be just like a ride to be a fan. It's like, well, it's just kind of a boring ride with a usually like gut punch ending. Last night, the entire country got to see how the sausage is made. And they realized, they're like, I don't know if I like the sausage as much. Like from outside, it looks like fun being in all these close games. But when you're watching majority of the time shitty football, and then you're potentially losing almost every game, like you could look at it as potentially winning almost every game, but like that's essentially what it is, right? We're on the, we're on the verge of losing every game and we play it boring, ugly football a lot of times. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's, like, it's like so hard because you're, even if you're very pessimistic, and you're like, well, there's no chance we're going to come back in this one. There's no way the offense is going to get rolling. There's no way the defense is going to make a stop. And then they do make that one play to get the game kind of semi-interesting again. And it's like, oh boy, I may have spoke too soon. And then they just break your heart again. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh. Well, that's enough of that. But we'll stay on the Vikings as we move into uh, same, same, but different um, segment. This week, we're going with the crappy, happy, crappy sandwich. Uh, Lucas, let's have you start. Yep. Um, First crappy for me this week. Daniel Hunter hurt again. Don't quite know the severity just yet. But anytime my big man goes down, it worries me. He's got a history of injuries now. That's my big man. And he's just such a difference maker, you know. So Godspeed. Hopefully you, you recover quick to Neil. Um, I guess to go with a happy of the game, um, when it was probably announced that um, you know Cooper Rush was starting, the uh, the game plan was probably going to be to stop you know stop the running attack, stop the two headed monster of Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard, uh, both two pretty good solid backs, um, <clears throat> and they did that. Ike, you mentioned that less than a hundred yards between the two of them, which are two pretty talented backs in my mind. Uh, so I thought that was, that was a win for the defense there. Um, going back to the crappy one for 13, I'll say that again, one for 13 as an offense on third down. That is horrendous. How is that even possible with like you mentioned it too, 7%. That's so terrible. Something has to change. Like, I mean, at what point we've, I mean, we've dug in plenty deep. Is it the play calling? Is it the players? Is it Kirk Cousins? Is it Mike Zimmer? I don't know, but something's got to be fixed there. That can never happen. Feels weird ending on a, on a bad note, but. Weird. We just have to, we got to dig in. It's one of those weeks. It's just got embarrassed on national television. All right, Ike, how about you? You're crappy, crappy, crappy. Uh, okay, so crappy. All right. Um, this is a hybrid, hybrid crappy happy since we're kind of like flipping it. I'll start with Ooh. this one. I'm calling it the boo birds. There's a lot of boo birds out there, which mm-hmm. normally I'm like super happy about because it means that like the fan base is disapproving, competing vocally, competing vocally. 
They are trying to tell the coaching staff live, hey, change it up. Let's do something new this time. Um, didn't work. So that was a bummer. But I respect them for getting out there and booing. But the part that makes it a crappy is that every time the announcers had to be like, oh, actually, they're booing and it's not them going coo for Amari Cooper. Because no joke, it felt like it was 50-50 split in that stadium. There were way too many Cowboys fans there. And that was super crappy. I hate that there are so many Cowboys fans just in general, but it's, then specifically in our stadium. Really it's like, me. I feel like it's like that with, with the Cowboys, though. It's I call it the Yankee effect in the MLB because they, the Yankee fans just come out of the woodwork. And I think it's mm -hmm. the same way with the Cowboys. Like all of a sudden, boom, throw on the Tony Romo jersey or <laughs> whoever, whatever <laughs> yeah, jersey they've got. Still, still probably. Good call, Lou. Okay, my happy was um, when they were going through all the Halloween costumes during like right after halftime or something. And they cut to like people who were dressed up in the stadium in costumes. And there was one guy, I don't know if you saw, but he was dressed as a, a French fry. I thought that was really funny. He was just wearing like a yellow, just a yellow jumpsuit and then like an orange or like a red little like French fry hat. Like the whole costume was his hat. It was one of those where like the whole costume was his hat, but he committed to the whole thing underneath too. Uh, and he's just kind of sitting there looking sad. And I always thought that's funny for the, the uh, Halloween games is like watching people be really, really yeah. sad or mad in a costume is really funny to me. That's a great one. That is hilarious. I thought I, I saw some sad costume wearers too, and I just like couldn't help but laugh a little bit. <laughs> um, okay. And then actually, okay, this one's a double. Again, it's another happy crappy because look whatever. at you finding silver lining. Yeah, I'm trying to find some silver linings, even though it was my idea to switch it, and now I'm doubling back going this way. Whatever. Making us um, look like yeah, sorry. <laughs> but uh, here it is. So my happy is that Cooper Rush's family was heavily featured on last night's broadcast, which was like, if I were just watching and I weren't connected to the Vikings as a fan, I'd be like, oh, that's really nice. Like, that is a cool story. They come to all those games and he never plays. Now he's playing. You know, it was a good, fun story for the NFL my happy part of it was the, it was like, they were just starting to get it going. He was just starting to play well a little bit. It was like, Oh, let's start showing the family. It was like a while after the pick. And so they're like, let's just start showing the family. Cause they're actually pretty energetic and interesting. So he had just made a couple big plays in a row, show the family. They look ecstatic next play. He misses the read on the cornerback blitz and just gets absolutely obliterated, not even from the blind side, just straight into his face, sack fumble, loses the fumble. And it was just so funny to me because it happened right after they had just started deciding to show his family. And it was like, it was like, oh, he's doing so well. They're loving it. Bam. And I was like, that was when I was like, we're going to win this game because this is what it is when you're a backup court. Like, you don't get to be right. that cool. Like you said, not even the blind side, just looking right at him. <laughs> just <laughs> right down the barrel of the gun. He didn't even see it. Um, but then the ultimate half, the crappy part, I'm going to end on a crappy for this one because I was watching the game with my girlfriend and at the end when they interviewed him and uh, he kept talking about his family and they kept showing their family and she got caught up in the like 
emotional aspect of it. And she goes like, and then she's like, oh, this is really nice. And I'm sitting there like just mad as hell. Like, I don't like, come on. Like, I hate this. And she goes, I'm allowed to be happy for him. And I was like, (laughs) this is not okay right now. I'm so upset. It's not okay. We're not happy for him right now. We can be happy for him later, but not right now. So that was kind of (laughs) crappy. Last night, I'm, I'm watching the game by myself, crawling to bed, big T. How'd it go? We lost. Oh, no. I just said, stop talking. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, and she felt so bad. And I was just like, I just can't even. I can't even right now. Can't even. I just, I don't, I don't get even close to this worked up about the Twins or the Timberwolves or the Wild or anything else i just don't because it's 16 17 games that's why the the game just matters so much it'd be like if you got really mad at just one quarter that'd be like getting mad at like four that's that's like a series for baseball (laughs) so that i think that's why it's worth more passionate about the vikings at times go ahead connor go ahead all right so my first crappy is make a tackle Anthony Barr, just make the tackle, make him kick the field goal. We go into overtime on that little third and 11. Just dump it down. Make the freaking tackle. So that's my first crappy. I just like that. that it was right there. We had like three guys there. And like that was the one moment where at times I'm just like, all right, maybe a good running back has its place because it was like Zeke just runs through four guys. And it's I don't know. Anthony Barr, I thought I thought there wasn't a ton in the game that he did like really bad. I thought he played a pretty decent game, but it was just, like plays like that where it's like that killer instinct hypothetical. Um, Ray Lewis. Um, the killer instinct hypothetical, Ray Lewis. Um, that you have to like, oh, finish finish the game, finish the play. One thing. We need one thing here. Make the tackle, and then we potentially still have a chance to win. Um, so that was frustrating. My happy was the weather inside the stadium looked beautiful. So that's pretty yeah, much it. Fake snow. Very and, magical. And then my second crappy, we touched on it a lot. I harped on it quite a bit is play call. I just felt the play calling, the execution from the offense was so frustrating. I, if I never saw another screen again, I'd be a happy man. Granted, I love the screenplay. I think it's so valuable, but it just felt like we beat that dead. I felt like there were times in the game yesterday where we could have run the ball more, which is wild. Like I'm usually, I, I understand like setting up the pass, but it just felt like there was opportunities to run when we were getting decent clips, and then we do something stupid like run a screenplay. So overall, I thought the play calling was just garbage yesterday. Too many routes short of the stick. Execution was also not not great, but. So that's my crappy, happy, crappy sandwich this week. Mm-hmm. From that, we'll just transition right over to the power pivot page turning play of the game. PPPTPG. Yeah, thanks, Connor. My power pivot page turning play of the game. Uh, kind of hinted at it again, but. It's when Daniil Hunter went out. Um, I mean, he's just such a force, I think, on that defense. And it, he really just draws a lot of eyes and a lot of a- attention, especially on the offensive line and especially from the offensive coordinators. So uh, real, real tough whenever he's not on the field. I think he's just, I, 
it's just so so valuable i think at in that point especially late in the game when we need a big play he's usually one of the guys to come up big so tough to tough to see him go out there isaiah how about you your ppp yep uh i wanted to say the amari cooper play on their on the cowboys last possession where it bobbled off like breland's chest and he catches it and it's just like oh my god classic unlucky vikings but i have to check myself because you can control what you can control right guys excellence and i've decided (laughs) that the actual page turning play of the game was it was the this the the drive that the vikings had kept alive multiple times by i think three count them three unnecessary roughness penalties got us inside the red zone inside like the 15 yard line and they didn't take a single shot at the end zone. Not even a single shot past the first down marker and had to settle for a field goal. And that was really what set up even the Cowboys having a chance really to be in that game and to have that final drive. So for me, it's like that was again, we've talked about it a lot, is like playing scared versus playing to win or playing not to lose versus playing to win. That was the epitome of it for me. Like you got gifted multiple chances, a full drive down the field got you in the red zone and you don't with the weapons that you have even try to do anything. So for me, that's it without a doubt. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I, I got to go back to my, one of my crappies. Honestly, it was the, it was the bar missed tackles and it's not just bar. There was three guys who had a chance to make tackle before the sticks. Um, but it's, I'm going to do a little sequence. It's also the timeout before that, that one cost us a timeout two cost us five yards, third and 11, that's a long shot, right? It happened, but third and 16 is like, that's a whole nother level to me. Um, to lose a timeout there is also so crucial because if we do get a stop, now we have extra time, or I'm sorry, if they do get the field goal, now we have an extra timeout to go down or heaven forbid, this would never happen. But if they scored a touchdown there on a nice fade pass from Cooper to Amari Cooper, then we have time to go run some of our offense on our way down to score potentially where we have a timeout in our back pocket to use um, the halftime. I also would like to just point out the halftime mismanagement. Oh, of the God, play clock. that was horrible. That was pretty frustrating. Finally, we have our MVP and our Island vote. Let's start with the Island vote. Isaiah, any thoughts? Who's going home this week? Ooh. Yeah, it, on a game like this, it's hard to pick like one person to be like, this is the reason that we lost. Mm. I want to go Breland because he missed two pretty easy picks again, but he's still he's, off the he's island. He's as far so off the island that. as you can get. <laughs> I was yeah. so mad at him. I want to do Kirk. I kind of want to do... I'm going to toss him out. No, no I can't. I'm Kirk well, guy, hey, but... if you did... No, Kirk... I'll, I'll, I'll toss him out. Accountability is so crucial. Yeah, it is. to Because then accountability, what is it, Connor? It's credibility. I'm putting Credi- Kirk up for vote. Appreciate your honesty. Lucas, any thoughts? Any people that popped out to you? Well, first off, I don't know. I, I want to run this by the group here. I kind of want to nominate Clint Kubiak. I'm sick of his shit. Sick of it. But he's not a player, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? What do you think, Ike? I'll leave the decision up to you. 
I honestly that was who I was gonna say. Right, let's just send him off and I'll so nominate I'm, I'm an actual it. player as well. But Clint, get on the raft, start swimming. I think <laughs> he's a courtesy sent off. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Who's your All player, right. Lou? Um, yeah, mine was uh, again tough to choose just one, but uh, I'm gonna go with Mackenzie Alexander, giving up just that. I don't know if it was the play call or if the safety's messed up, but somebody messed up and he got exposed on that one touchdown, just burned right down the middle of the field. Feels like he probably should have had some safety help there, but obviously he didn't and just looked like he was lost there. So that was a really big dagger in the game, I think. Yeah, I think Mackenzie Alexander, that was a kind of a huge play there. Um, weird play, weird defensive play design. It was like they left the middle of the field open or a breakdown or something. I don't know. But uh, ultimately, huge play there for him. I'm going to go with Olesemeka Udo, the right guard for the Vikings. They call him Oli for short. To, yeah, Oli Udo. They had back, he had back-to-back holding calls at one point in the game. That always helps. Um, and he just like he was getting destroyed all game long. Like it didn't matter really what the play was when they were running zone reads. If you saw him getting tackled or if you saw Cook or Madison getting tackled in the backfield, a lot of the time it was between Bradbury and Udo that maybe we're doing knocks before the play. Like, should we let him through? Um, and it was brutal. Like I, I thought I thought that little niche in the line did not play well. Dersa played solid. solid. I thought solid Cleveland guys, solid Brian O'Neill. Solid thing, yeah. but Oliudu or Udo socks. Garrett Bradbury sauce. Yeah, the kids yeah. Say. Like I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's Collinsworth really was bad. on him a lot, and I was like, why? He's not good. <laughs> You're talking about how he's got this lateral movement, but then he just gets blown up when it's just straight on. Like, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. Oliudo, bad game. But he's been on he's been on my short list for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> I can get um, with it. But yeah, what, I can get with it. Think is the game. All right, love it. See you, bye. Yeah, and Clint can. Clint, paddle don't out. leave so fast. Come on back here. You got to grab old Udo. Good luck paddling that big boy around. <laughs> um, with that said, are we saving anybody this week? MVP of the game. I think I got a clear MVP, but I don't know what you guys think. I gotta go. I gotta go. Woods, Xavier Woods. I mean, to me, the only player who yeah, really had solid. an outstanding game, revenge game for him. Obviously, being next cowboy, uh, it was nice to the broadcast to bring that up seven times. Um, yeah, so kind of nice. But yeah, so that was uh, that's that's my guy. I don't know who you guys are thinking. If there's anyone else, or love it. Yep, I also had Xavier. Xavier Woods. Uh, Good call. Arguably the best Xavier to ever play for the Vikings. Who knows? You shut your mouth. Time will tell. <laughs> it's closed. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've kind of beat that dead horse that is the Vikings. So um, let's transition to a little college football. Um, I, I think we kind of got to first have Isaiah address a take from last pod. So if, with that, I'll let Isaiah take it away. Okay, so hear me out. I'm not wrong yet. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking a lot. I did a lot of thinking yesterday on how and today on how to to prove that I'm not wrong about the Big Ten. Here's Mm -hmm. why. 
I just got caught up in the wrong team, thinking Bingo. that the wrong team was good and the wrong team was bad. And I blame myself fully because accountability is credibility. These Michigan Wolverines led by this Harbaugh have done the same thing every single year. I, I had misplaced anger at MSU. They didn't do anything wrong. They just played the games that they played. They won the games that they won. The Harbaugh Wolverines get this insane treatment year in, year out that they are some... They are... they. As soon as he showed up there, it was like they became Alabama of the North. It was like, this team can do no wrong. And every year they lose a game, it's like two maybe, three maybe, games where it's like, why did they lose that game? This team's way too good to lose that game. Well, I'm pretty sure he... It's because they're just not. Pretty sure he hasn't beaten Ohio State either. (laughs) Like, how is he still even there? He's a joke. So my point is that the Big Ten is still this overfluffed, overrated thing. But MSU is a little less of a fraud than Michigan because and now it's and but now it's this oh it makes me so mad because now it's this self I'm a little frustrated because it's this self-perpetuating cycle because now everybody's like oh yeah Michigan State beat this really good Michigan team who's in the top 10 the top five but then you're like who is this Michigan team and you're like if they were in the freaking SEC they'd be Kentucky all right let me take it back well okay i'll take that i'll take that they shouldn't you know keep them out of the top 10 they don't belong in the top 10 i'll call them vanderbilt yeah i like that sorry i got some i didn't say wake forest (laughs) they're in the acc and they're good (laughs) look that's that's all i have go ducks they housed them they housed colorado so i I had a good weekend one thing and i'm not by no means do I want to come off as agreeing with Isaiah on this? But mm. I'm wondering if if the Ducks, if part of their problem is the Pac-12 is so bad that like they don't get fully appreciated, or like they're that good that like the Pac-12 is okay, but they're just killing everyone. And so now everyone thinks the Pac-12 is bad. I honestly lean towards the first one. I think the Pac-12 is just so bad, so Oregon doesn't get the appreciation that they probably deserve. I'm not it's talking about the Pac-12. I think this. But I think the Big Ten is that bad, but it's just better for college football for the Big Ten to be a better because they have better rivalries and like more following. So like if you're like, OK, what of these two conferences do we want to pretend like is really good? The one that is with like always plays at the right time because like the Pac-12 plays later at night for most of the country. So nobody really wants to watch that. They have these rabid fan bases in states that don't have professional sports with tons of money flowing into their programs. Yeah, it's better for college football to pretend like these are the better teams and the better groups. But like year in, year out, I feel like the Big Ten is just overrated. And it, and I get it. And I'm like, I get that portion of it that it's good for college football for the Big Ten to be good. And so they'll always be overrated, in my opinion, because they have to do that. They have to boost them up. Because it's more interesting when the Big Ten is good. Like that game was super, super interesting. I wouldn't say it was a beautifully playing, played game, like at all. I don't want this to come off the wrong way. Big Ten is college football. Like at the end of the day, that's where it started and that's where it's always going to be. The SEC is gold standard right now. But at the end of the day, the Big Ten is kind of like they've, they're grandfathered into being like I, in the club. I just they're want you to admit so, so there's a bias towards the Big Ten. Yeah, there definitely Thank is. You. But I think that's all I need. Is, Part of it comes from the fact that like when you get into bowl season, the Big Ten is 
consistently better than the Pac-12 in bowls. And like, honestly, there's times when like the ACC is like awesome in bowls and sometimes they suck in bowls. The Big Ten is like something that's just steady. I'm trying to think of an analogy. The Big Ten is water. And and most of these other conferences are, they're trulies, they're craft beers. Like they kind of go in and out. There's a lot of them that are like each other. And then sometimes they suck. Sometimes they're good. The Big Ten's water. It's always there. You need it. You got to live. Got to have it. And the, SEC is, the SEC is water with electrolytes. That, yeah. Yeah. Water <laughs> with electrolytes. It's fresh from Golden, Colorado. No, just kidding. Um, but the SEC is like, the uh, you know, obviously the top conference. But the Big Ten is one where when they play other conferences, they play well. Even against the SEC at times, like they, they have teams that compete, like the Gophers beating Auburn, whatever it was, two years ago. You know, like things like that happen where it's like, Top end big t- big ten teams, the very top can play with just under the top of the SEC. Whereas the top of the Pac twelve, there's like one team every year that can play with the top echelon of the SEC. SEC, excuse me. So like for me, I think there's like a little bit of disconnect in your argument b- between the fact that the Big Ten is definitely a superior conference, but there is also favoritism that pushes them even higher than probably what they get. Like I would be number two in the country is insane. Like that's just yeah. insane. No. Never number country. And but Connor, so my point, my point has evolved from it being Pac-12 versus Big Ten. Like I'm, I'm over that. I get that the Big Ten in general is a better conference than the Pac-12. But go Ducks. Sure. But I think sure. my point has become like, oh, now you have teams like like Cincinnati has to be like they don't like they're at the point where they ha- they have to do more than just win all their games. They have to win all their games convincingly. Whereas like mm-hmm. a team like MSU can skate by and skate through their schedule that actually isn't that good when you really break it down and look at all the teams that they've played. If they weren't in the Big Ten, they wouldn't even be in the top 25. But the thing is, is that the Big Ten, the every every Power Five conference, like if you look at the Cincinnati scenario, every pop to, a Power Five conference gives you more credibility. If Cincinnati's in the Pac-12 and they're and they're playing the way they're playing, they are a top, they're a top four team. If they're in the Big Ten, they're doing that. But the thing is, with their schedule, they get Tulane, who you eighty ball, you don't even play your starters the whole game. So there's so many different things where if you're in the Big Ten and you're going against an offensive line, like Rutgers, just a beast like Rutgers, Bowling Green. So we have one, we have one really bad team in the league. But that's the thing. In in more than one. (laughs) Okay, but in Cincinnati's league, there's seven to nine bad teams. There's two good ones. And so like one game a year, they really get up and then they have a great game. Other than that, if they're in the Big Ten, they do not go undefeated. If they're in the SEC, they obviously aren't going undefeated. But like that's why big conferences get some justification because even the bad teams have good players. Tulane doesn't have any good players. Bowling Green State doesn't have... What? But no, those teams don't have good players. And so week in and week out, you're not playing the level of competition where it's like, oh, one slip up. Cincinnati could slip up against Tulane. They'd still 40 ball them. And like they could probably 40 ball Rutgers. That's fair. But there's more teams in Conference USA. And that's why like last year, Conference USA 0-6 in bowl games. Because they they have a good record, but then when they play, when rubber meets the road and they're playing a good team, it's a little bit harder. A team that's battle battle tested quotes, right? Bowl games is a good point, Connor. It's a good point. And it's, I know it's not the end all be all, but it's just one of those things where like Cincinnati, they do get kind of like not the same credit as everyone, but it, it's this it's this thing where like you don't play 
You don't play Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State three straight weeks, which could happen for a team like Michigan State. But it hasn't. Like, you know what I mean? Like that. That's part of it too. Is like you're you're predicating their ranking on who they will be playing in the future, not who they played so far. Like they haven't played any of their hard games until they played Michigan, who I guess yeah, Michigan, right? So like they hadn't even gotten into the meat of their schedule. They're a top ten team. Like they hadn't. Like they played the dregs of the Big Ten. And Cincinnati's ranked two in the country. Michigan State's undefeated, ranked eight in the country. So they're not doing that. Like Cincinnati's getting preferential treatment. No, not really. They're just ranking them how they should be. Now, if Michigan State goes and beats Penn State, do they move up ahead of them? Sure. But they're not ranked based on who they're going to play right now, in my opinion. Cincinnati's ranked two in the country. Who have they beat? Notre Dame. No, they didn't. They didn't play Notre Dame. Who do they play? Didn't they play? Haven't they played a couple of like interesting games? Like they're really they might have, but like big win, big seven point win over Navy. That's huge. Huge. They beat Indiana, which would have been a nice win. Oh, they beat they did beat Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah you're right. That's yeah. actually a win. And that's probably why they're two in the country. Convincingly then, too. Yeah, they beat them by eleven points. Like that's a good win. Yeah, but then like also like if Indiana, if Indiana is not the one of the worst teams in the Big Ten this year, that helps Cincinnati because now you see like, oh, they beat them by 14. That's respectable. That's a blowout. Right. In in some senses of football. Well, but then it's like the rest of the year, they pretty much get a take off the rest of the season until SMSU. Yeah. After. Like but, they just, yeah. But like Michigan out. State edges out Indiana after their previous three games were Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Rutgers, and then they play Indiana. It, so I'm I like, it's not as like a, this big of a gauntlet as it seems. It will become one. Like now all of a sudden they're starting to play like some tougher teams, but like, it's not like I'm, I think my point is it's not as like clear cut, like, oh my God, they're just that much harder to get through their schedule than it is any other team in any other conference. Well, I think the whole point of this is like the, the dust settles at the end of the season and the end of the season rankings are all that matters. And that's like the true standing. Because like if you look at Cincinnati beating Indiana by two touchdowns, nice. They probably pregame prepped for that for four weeks, right? Because they played Miami of Ohio and Murray State before that. So like in the Big Ten, they played like end of the season you're when you play penn state ohio state and back-to-back weekends like you don't have time to plan three weeks in advance like you do for an indiana or like maybe they overlook indiana they plan for seven weeks for notre dame all off season and the first three weeks like you just don't know what's happening behind the doors but like i'm not saying cincinnati's bad either i'm just saying like when you have to play teams that are upper 100 a, a, let's say top 125, which is like top 50%, pretty much week in and week out. It, it's it's more challenging than when you get to play the Murray States, Navy, Tulane, teams like Temple. Like, like Youngstown, Northwestern, Western Kentucky, Maryland, those crappy teams, I mean, right? Maryland, Maryland would shit on everyone in their league. They would win Cincinnati. <laughs> yes, they no, they wouldn't. Yeah, that's, they, that's the point. There's 12 good teams in the Big Ten compared to whatever in in whatever conference Cincinnati's and There's probably two, them and SMSU or SMU. Go Ponies. Yeah. All right, we got to the bottom of nothing there. 
shit. So I think you and I entrenched. We we're both further into what we believed going in, which is the state of a good argument at this point in the world, right? I still, I'm just, I just want you to know, I respect the points that you made. I believe how you feel about the Big Ten and the quality of the teams. And I think I, for the most part, kind of generally agree comparing to Conference USA. Uh, I am just hoping for the Big Ten to fucking crash and burn. I've become an anti-Big Ten guy and it's crazy. I never thought I'd be such an SEC fan in my life, but I hope now my new hope for Michigan State update on Ike's hope for Michigan State. It used to be that they get 30 balled by Michigan, found out Michigan sucks. Um, My new hope is that they actually finish their schedule undefeated and then get pounded in the playoff just pounded on New Year's Eve by like 50, like Oklahoma did a few years ago. Like when Notre Dame inexplicably got in a few years ago and just got pounded. That is what I hope for Michigan State now. So, you know, go green, go white for the next five games, baby. Ike, I appreciate your your rapport in this argument. Um, I understand your perspective. I agree with some of your points, but um, overall, you're wrong. And in the court of popular opinion, obviously, I would win this argument. So in that sense, I have won it. Um, I know that was fun. And honestly, that's the sad thing is like Michigan State's going to lose to Ohio State. Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten Championship. And Ohio State will, as they always do, put out a decent product in the, in the college football playoff. And then we'll be like, well, the Big Ten's right there, right? We lost by 15 to Georgia. And Georgia's the best team in the country. And it's not even close. And and that's what's going to happen. Maybe they'll even make the natty and then lose to Georgia. It's like, it's just this vicious cycle. And that's why I think it'd be so fun if they open the college football player up, playoffs up to 12 teams, eight teams, something more where you do, this is my thing. You do five power five automatic bids. Every power five conference gets one. And then you do three at large, or you do seven at large. If you do 12, I think even if you don't do eight, maybe do seven where you give the first team a buy, something like that, where it's like, let's let some of these random teams in or like, let's let, obviously you got to let Alabama in if they're one last team, those sort of things. But it's just, it feels like a larger playoff pool would actually help us get to some of these answers. Like, let's see the Pac-12 in the playoffs against Ohio State or against Oklahoma or you name it, you know. It just allows for the a more national scale for a lot of these power programs, which is at the end of the day what we all want, right? The NCAA makes more money if that happens. Couldn't agree more, but, Connor. I'm in on that. We've got a lot of ideas for the NCAA here. We've got the relegation system. We've got the automatic bids. We've got the 12-team tournament. Big 10 out. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of productive ideas. <laughs> and Isaiah's. Anyways, so... I think that's where we'll leave it this week as we've pretty much delved in. I guess one thing we'll say, go Gophs, great game. Uh, mm-hmm. Great game this weekend. Sorry we didn't touch on you enough. If the Vikings wouldn't have shit the bed so hard, we probably would have. Um, but with that, it's Connor, Vidaya, and Lucas with the three-man weave this week. Go Wolves. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.